0: Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Rafael. Um, what's going on? Yeah. Um, is that a violence? If I ask you, what's going on? It's a violence. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's it's not.
1: You know what? You're. I I always bring this up every time. It's like you're not going to get a very interesting answer. You, you should ask like uh, the rules. I think for one on one is like. What did you really love doing last week? Yeah. What did, yeah, what yeah. did you loathe? Like what are your priorities? What's your biggest how can I help? What are your biggest fears? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. What are you longing for? Yeah. You'll get a more interesting answer.
0: Okay. Uh yeah. so Jeremy, how do we get world peace?
1: Okay, that's an interesting topic. Mm. Uh especially for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's solid. figure this out in yeah. an hour. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's been a while. I was just looking, our last recording was April 10th. So. Sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah, but well, uh, in the meantime, we traveled the world.
0: Yeah, and, and it's a question, does our audience love us as much as we think they do, or why haven't we gotten any questions?
1: That's right. Yeah. Basically, we're like... Or we're just talking know. to each other. Should we just put this in a, a crate and, and put it on the shelf? Yeah. <sighs> Close it down again. Yeah,
0: but I I, <laughs> I always think if you're having a good time doing something, that's the reward itself, so... If we're having a good time recording this, then...
1: Yeah, there's a lot. Well, I, there's a lot to talk about, yeah. for sure. Uh, that's happened in the last little while. Um, Twitter, right Venice Twitter. Biennial. Yeah, you went to Venice yeah. um, for the Biennial, which is always big news. I want to hear all about it, because I don't know, but I, I'm i not sure um, I'm as tuned in to like, the Venice cadence and scene as I once was, but I want to hear what it was like Yeah. post-pandemic. Did you ever go? Yeah, of course. I was. That's. I've met you there once before. At the
0: Internet there. Pavilion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, at the BYOB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it, to our listeners uh, who are not art world uh, experts, the Venice Biennial is the OG Biennial. So the, this whole idea of you you have a big event once every two years, and artists from different countries are represented, which now is a problematic idea, and uh, so it's basically. It, it it kind of feels like an idea still from the it's world, like a world fair world fair yeah. exactly yeah. like this thing is like oh each country is going to bring their best and brightest pa- everyone
1: has a pavilion you know like, yeah let's go to the American pavilion yeah
0: and so know. which I thought was a pretty cool idea in uh, I think two thousand nine Miltus Menades was like well these countries are kind of an old idea like uh, we're global citizens we're internet citizens so let's start the internet pavilion instead of the Italian pavilion and the French pavilion and the Japanese pavilion. Yeah. Uh, so it was a cool idea. Execution, maybe not as cool as the idea at the first time. And then the second time we did a BYOB, which was more fitting. It wasn't trying to be a classical exhibition and instead it was just chaotic and projection. And I, that was 2011. And I thought that was really fun. Like I, I thought it was a nice summer evening. We all projected outside on this building and just good energy all around And I don't know. How did you experience it then?
1: Yeah, I remember it being a bit of a disaster because we didn't have electricity. And uh, also, it wasn't clear whether we were going to be able to get off the island that was on. Yeah, I spent the
0: (laughs) night on the island because I couldn't get off. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is one of the fun things about Venice in general is just that you can actually get (laughs) trapped somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, but was it a bad?
0: It, I remember it being pretty good. Like uh, we we did project for some time, and then the power dropped or something.
1: No, no, I have fond memories once things got going. Yeah, um, but I think the general chaos of Venice is that everything well, is kind of just pulled off in time. You it, know? It,
0: it's it's funny because it, you can glance at it, but you can also stop and pause. And it, so Venice is an, an old sort of heart of civilization where there was commerce and science and a lot of activity and it was built in a certain way around these canals and these boats and by today's standards it's a very inefficient city but back then it was the peak of a certain way of thinking Mm -hmm. and so it's it's very beautiful but it's also very hard to get around and anyone knows when you're doing exhibitions in Venice during the biennial everyone needs the same resources at the same time so everybody's stressed everything's late uh, all the supplies are and hard no one, to get. And,
1: like, no one's from... I mean, there are people from there, but, like, yeah. during that period, everyone it's, is, like, a foreigner. It's
0: kinda. like a medieval Disneyland, like a <laughs> a, a, a real-life rent fair. But it's I, just, I
1: think it's almost like, yeah, it, but it's set it's, up it's, almost it's like It's the a, opposite
0: of a, a convention center. In, it's a in, battle royale. In, yeah, but it's the opposite <laughs> of a convention center where you would have a trade show. Mm. It, it, like, let's say, um, what's that one where they show all the gadgets? The... Oh, like CES? Yeah, it's the opposite of that. Like CES, I'm sure, like the logistics are amazing. Everything's modern. Everything's accessible and uh, et cetera. Mm. The food, probably not that great. And then Italy, like the food is great, but the logistics are difficult because everyone's everyone's basically using an infrastructure that's built for far less people and was built yeah. 500 years but ago. But also, yeah,
1: like there is the main conference, which is the guard, you know, Giardini or whatever. Yeah, where all yeah. The, uh, pavilions are we should explain that and then there are these satellite things happening all around that are unofficial so i've
0: never been in the official biennial i've always been the outlaw
1: that would be like an esteemed uh, yeah like you'd be in the top you know 0.0001. but it's an
0: it's an interesting i think the venice biennial is an interesting anchor to talk about what art is also because the nft world calls the the regular art world, the traditional art world. And so when you go to Venice, you could see, okay, yeah, it is a very traditional, like these buildings are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Mm. And these exhibitions seem like tried and true, the formats are, but then there were a couple of NFT exhibitions now, and none of them really felt like they went all the way or, they still have a lot uh, to learn. Yeah. So they still have a lot to learn. And like, when you browse through Instagram or Twitter, the, all the NFT stuff shines and it's it's way more optimized for that new ecosystem. But when you go back to the old ecosystem of the canals and the pavilions and the palazzos, and then it's really that's I think that's, in, yeah. that's
1: what's interesting about I want to hear more about how it felt because that's what's interesting about this current moment in NFTs, yeah. which is that the traditional gallery market, like I've even got a partnership right now with a traditional gallery on an NFT, is like is is trying they're like a, a year or two behind right like but they're they're now trying their hand at the traditional business model of like let's take 50% and let's get it into an art fair situation um yeah just try so to the, fit
0: it into the old thing yeah
1: yeah it's no longer like hey the artist deserves 90% of the <laughs> yeah. the profit it, and which makes sense because the scale of the operation now is so big that there's different segments or tiers like and so there's still the luxury tier is being taken back over by the luxury kind of gatekeepers right
0: but it's it's almost like as long as everything's online i think the 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 new way and the new distribution and the new speed and the new shininess everything works and then when mm. you take it to the art fair or to the biennial then it's like the costs of of showing the work are so high uh, like renting the screens setting things up darkening the room all that stuff and it all of a sudden, it's not user friendly. All of a sudden, then paintings are the most user friendly. Well, first
1: of all, it's not user friendly to set something in Venice because, like, yeah, like your no. average audience isn't just hanging out. <laughs> no, no, Venice, and, it's, and it is and, like and a, an is Olympic also, Games or Super Bowl or something. The thing so I've, you have to have money for the ticket.
0: Yeah, but the thing, oh yeah, the ticket for the opening of the venue was four hundred euros. So mm-hmm. you're welcome. Um, talk about inclusivity, art world. Come on. <laughs> but I mean it's so crazy when you hear the art world talking about inclusivity and it's the most exclusive thing in the world. But also it's like even as time.
1: I recall getting a hotel, I couldn't get a hotel oh, yeah. in Venice. I had to go outside of Venice yeah, to be yeah, industrial. Yeah. You so know, it's, kind of it's
0: all this stuff. All this stuff of mm-hmm. like the, the the glamour that comes with excluding people and the the, the velvet rope and saying you're in, you're out that, that's that's what the whole currency is of the yeah. art world.
1: But I think that's interesting mixed up with DeFi or decentralized finance because it's like... Inclusivity meets in- exclusivity, or decentralized meets centralized con- power and control. Yeah. So, what did it feel like on the ground? Well, like-
0: on the ground, I, let me just tell you that I this is one of the art trips that I was not looking forward to just because I don't like these mass events and I don't mm-hmm. like the logistics. I don't like. But if the- I was there, we would have had fun together, I think. Yeah. And uh, Jonas <laughs> was there. Uh, Miltus oh, was there. Uh, my friend uh, Damjanski was there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and and uh, some people from Art Blocks were there, so it, there were interesting conversations. But overall, I think I was showing a work that in reality didn't look as good as it did on social media. So I was a bit like, oh, the execution's not the, at the level that I wanted it to be. But now, blacks all the...
1: weren't black enough.
0: No, that was the the mirror, the quality of the mirrors. I was not happy with, but mm. the. It's understandable, it's like getting stuff there is hard, supplies are hard, everything's too expensive, I get it. And then what I saw later, so at the moment uh, when I was there in person, I was a bit upset because the real art world was there, the traditional art world. And I was like, oh, they're going to see this and say like, look, all these NFTs, they don't work in exhibitions. Right. Because the execution wasn't as perfect as it could. It was like be. a
1: coming out party for Yeah.
0: But then what I did see the response of social media was overwhelming. I don't think I've ever done a project that did so well on social media. And so you 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 jump in and out of this from the dream to the reality and mm. and I think so as much as we try to make the real life exhibitions as amazing as possible then the social media audience is so much bigger. So what's the real thing? That that's the 3 d were right. They were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were right about this ten but, years ago, it, twenty years ago. It is, um, you know, I've, I've I've done shows where I show tapestries or um, plexiglass works, and they don't photograph so well, or my lenticulars are hard to document. This was one of those where it was the opposite, and so. Um, I, I felt a bit I was down when I was there because it wasn't as perfect as I wanted to be. Sure. But then, uh, yeah, but I, I feel like I, even yes. if
1: it was perfect, though, you'd feel like it's very natural in a, at a stage like Venice or name your yeah these ego venue. festivals yeah yeah to feel disappointed because there's so much build up and anticipation like this is my you know this is the big shot I'm going to throw the winning touchdown. Well, no, and
0: but I, I yeah it it's weird because I I did a show at Sight Gallery. I think you've done something there in a group setting. Mm-hmm. In, in Sheffield yeah, and I was so happy the whole process of the show and it was very focused. They had a tremendous staff that was very um detail oriented and that helped me think it through and then I got there and uh, we had a lot of time to calmly do things because it's a small town uh with all the problems solved beforehand it's not chaotic. But then the, the audience is very, very friendly. Yeah. The but then the I, audience I is so so small compared to the Venice Biennial, of course. Like Everyone this, knows each other too. But yeah, I guess that's similar. But this is Sheffield, UK, but the, the photos look great, but it was one of those shows I would have been really proud if the official art world walked in and said, You mm. see, you can show digital work in a physical exhibition. It could be a, So that was the exhibition I would have wanted those people to see. And I I think this exhibition because it was so social media oriented, it could have been in a, in a smaller location, in a smaller town, and yeah. then done its work online.
1: I don't know though, like, you say those people, but like when I, maybe I haven't been to Venice in a while, I, I really felt alienated, like it wasn't my. Um... Yeah, that's, the,
0: that, that's exactly right, because I also felt, uh, you know how you can feel FOMO seeing an art event? Mm-hmm. I had FOMA because there was an Ethereum conference in Amsterdam, and I was in a group show, and I was like, oh, those people are so much nicer. I would have rather been there than with like these bitchy art people.
1: You'd rather be in an Ethereum conference? Yeah, yeah. like, like oh, gonna, that I'm sounds that so much back. more fun. <laughs> yeah. In a few years, we'll do a throwback. Yeah, <laughs> But do, the, do you
0: know what I mean with the sort yeah, of yeah. The, the, the bitchy, sort of snarky attitude of the art world and the positive, optimistic attitude of the tech world? and.
1: I think the main, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about business. Like sometimes people are like shitting on business. I'm like, actually, it's a lot better <laughs> than you think it is. And in a lot of cases, these are good people, and they're interesting problems that we're solving, right? So, um, I totally get it. Like the, especially among that exclusive art world, because everyone has has to posture to be there, and then money at the end of the day is all that matters. Well,
0: so. yeah, but but one of the things that uh, you know, each system has pros and cons. It's not like one is good, one is bad. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think one of the good things of the Museum World in particular and also the like bigger galleries is this there's a sense of focus in presentation that you just don't have with a BYOB or with a NFT group show or something. Like it's always kind of chaotic and and yeah. scrapped together. Uh, scraped together, and I think museums have this level of uh, the timeline is longer and um, more considered, and that has pros and cons. But the t- what the example of site gallery is just like you work for two and a half years on a show, you build all this new work, and it's shown for three months, and there's nothing else in the room. It, there's something, and that's why I say like whether the traditional art world people are nice or bitchy or whatever, it's just a hurdle. You know, you need their permission to show. Uh, but I mean, I, w- I want it to work like
1: what I was hoping to yeah. hear from you is that, you know, there was a there was a vibe shift, like there's some um, humbling, the last few years have been humbling, you know, the Venice isn't the, the blockbuster it was three years ago. And so they're rebuilding in a new image, that image is like, one where they're inviting more people to the table. Well,
0: they definitely like this, For you as a feminist, the, the Venice Biennale was a great success because I think awesome. they tried to have, I think, two-thirds of the artists were women or something. I don't know the number, but it was definitely more than half. And so it's a triumph of feminism in that sense, mm-hmm. a, a milestone. But it's a bit... Someone was using... Uh, a friend of mine hesitated for a long time to go to NFTs, and now he's finally doing it. And he his argument was like, I don't want to make work for Blockbuster when Netflix is showing up. And so. <laughs> yeah, if, that's if, funny on the on if, the ver- this, Like Netflix
1: just had their worst earnings yeah, fall in history.
0: Yeah, that's true. So who knows what's going to happen. But if this social progress in the end is symbolic of a falling empire, it's like, yes, we, we have more equal uh, opportunity in a platform that is actually disappearing, that is literally sinking underwater, something like Venice. It's kind of tragic. It's like yeah, you get a seat at the table, but the it's on the Titanic.
1: It's an it is an interesting like yeah, metaphorical or analog space for the discussion for sure. But but
0: I have to say that, and
1: global warming is like sinking the, the country too. Yeah. You
0: know? So ne- the Netflix analogy is good. It's a good thing you mentioned that they aren't rising as fast as they used to be, and there's a lot of competition. But I think the category of streaming as a whole is not shrinking, and I don't think blockbusters coming back. So I actually
1: think it's a yeah, it's actually a great example if you think about it that way. In that now the major players like your HBOs are showing up, right? Um, and they're
0: and they're actually getting Academy Awards, and they they might show the work in theaters, but then the Academy Awards. Wow, this is all a lot of tangents because the Academy Awards also are losing <laughs> audience until Will Will Smith knocked out uh, Chris Rock. So
1: I don't know. I think that's a thinking. The idea of award shows is like I know, kind but the, over, but
0: yeah. the Venice Biennial does feel like an award show, and like it, mm-hmm. it, it. I think the thing I love about the art world is the focused presentations, and you simply cannot do that in a mega circus like Venice. It, it, it's so chaotic, I can't absorb any work. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it has more of the character of an award show than of a focused viewing. Right. Like, maybe the pinnacle is something like Fondation Beile in Basel, a museum like that, or maybe Dia Beacon uh, in, in New York. Uh, oh, state yeah, York. I
1: think Dia, Dia is a great example yeah. of, like, we're going to take this thing, we're going to focus it, we're going to preserve it for 100 years. Yeah. In this and so that's, state. to
0: me, the true beauty of the art world outside of all the the bullshit ego battles and whatever the downsides. But the true thing, the art world still holds that uh, to me, no other space holds is this sort of, they're really, for me, spiritual places for atheists. The the churches for atheists. So you can go to any city in the world or any country and find a place of contemplation and that's the quality that is very hard to find on the screen. So I think the art world still has that, and, and there's something about that. It's Maybe a, that's a good segue into yeah. this
1: other, the other part of the conversation. But here. it's we,
0: it's a beautiful thing. But the the Venice art experience has nothing to do with that contemplation. It's just it, it's it's a giant circus. It's a it's a carnival. It's filled with things as much. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: No, I, I do, and I, I I don't think it's going to go anywhere. In theory it makes sense that it would return almost to the same state it was because everyone is bored again, you know, and wants to travel. Not everyone, you know, but the the people that would have traditionally gone to Venice. I don't, I don't know where they've been spending their well,
0: time. Well, it was definitely busy. It's not like there was no audience. It was packed, but it was opening week, so I don't know how it is the rest of the year. But it, it seems, if I walk around New York, it seems tourism is fully back.
1: It's well, I can remember being an MFA student and like, being like, I got to make it to Venice. Like, if I don't see what's happening at Venice, I won't be in touch with what's going on in the art world. So it definitely had, like, currency the same way Art Forum did maybe 15 years ago. And I'm I, that's why I was curious, like, yeah, did it feel relevant? Well,
0: I'm, I'm a strange creature that I don't believe in group shows. I think they're a strange idea, the group exhibitions. I, I think group exhibitions should be 5% of exhibitions and not, like, 80% of exhibitions and I think group exhibitions are a middle manager invention it's it's basically a managerial class that doesn't want the artist to have control so they said, well we'll do the group show, the name of the curator is more important, the name of the institution is more important mm. uh, and I don't know anyone who enjoys group shows. I think solo shows are so much better. I think retrospect. Get ready
1: because the uh, the group the museum NFT group shows are coming. Like that's the- yeah 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 for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I,
0: I I think any NFT artist also I would rather see a, a solo show just going deeper into their process and and into their body of work. Um, yeah, and, I
1: think I mean, it's interesting. We talked about it on the podcast before. though I mean, we talked about by- the
0: failures of of the big post internet yeah. group shows, and I think if they had done focused solo shows with artists. It, like that- i would
1: have done much better i feel i don't want to blame anyone for my success or failure but i was always like how come my painter friends get access to so many solo show opportunities but i can't seem to crack that and i, I don't know but if, if well there's a, a business
0: aspect to that
1: i think you're right yeah. yeah but uh and it was always and i was always i think included in group shows especially for the first few years of my emerging career as like we're gonna try you out in this group show <laughs> like it was always a trial um, but and then if you, uh, didn't yeah, sell, you didn't get the I,
0: shot, I, right? I don't know i i guess i haven't brought that up so much on this podcast but i think curators should be facilitators and should be in a in a helpful role to the artist mm-hmm. and i think group shows are more about putting the curator in the forefront it's like this is my my essay, this is my yeah, thought. And, the, and, and uh, the uh, uh, yeah, the Hans Ulbricht
1: yeah, kind of school of thought of like, here's my, it's basically a catalog but it's, that
0: you want to come if, if NFT is all about cutting out the middle person, then um, the curator is such a middle, middle managerial, I don't know, I don't want to, I, I guess I don't want to generalize, but... as
1: Why well, can't both exist, though, I think? No, it,
0: yeah. because there's limited physical space. I think if a museum mm. only has that much space, I would rather see solo shows. As as a not only for me as an artist, but also just as a visitor, as someone who enjoys exhibitions.
1: Well most of the time solo shows at a museum level are survey shows, right? They're not usually new commissions, but sometimes they are. Yeah. But if they're a new commission, it's not. No, like but
0: a, if if you look back at some of those big uh group internet shows that I wasn't in and I was upset about, like uh, Mm -hmm. your friend Omar who ignored me. (laughs) You continue to cite this like one show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I thought that show toured to Chicago also. At Whitechapel, that show. It it didn't tour to Chicago. But what if that Whitechapel show had been an in-depth solo show of Jody or an in-depth solo show of Name an Artist? I I think it would have been better. I don't know.
1: I think that it's a yes and there should be, but
0: the the and didn't happen. That's my point. No, like, the end has never happened. Yeah, the people are always like, "Oh, what's this post internet thing? Let's do a big show, and then they do a group show." But I think the even so- the
1: first wave of internet artists who should have had their, like I mentioned, survey exhibitions by now have not had their major survey exhibitions. They've had like MoMA collect a piece kind of thing. So, yeah, the sh- I mean, the Shedlik has
0: they, have they done a, a solo of a Jody yet? No. For example, yeah. So it, it, no Dutch institution in general hasn't uh, really taken a, a lead and sort of said like, "Hey, there's something going on here with Dutch net art. We should do something."
1: But you know, what? we should we should make that happen. Like we should not. I'm like I'm saying we in it jest almost, but like at some point, someone pushes for a solo show and funds it, right? Well, maybe uh, we could fund it.
0: I don't know if I'm being crazy, but there, there, there's a. There's a museum, your friend Bogomir is the curator at the Next Museum in yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, Bogomir, it's great. Yeah, and I talked to them a little bit because it's digital art, so I was like, oh, great, you can change the exhibition every week because it's all moving images and projections. And no, like,
1: they only do one or one show a quarter, I think.
0: No, they do one show every year and a half. They change it every year and a half.
1: Oh, uh, I think that's just a short-term situation. I
0: don't know, of. but they said that... It's not that easy to swap shows. It's actually very specific installations with sensors and mirrors, and every artist wants a different type of projection and maybe LED wall, and maybe there's a mode of interaction. So it's actually very costly to change exhibitions. But I thought it would be cool to have a museum that's just kind of like a holodeck, and you could change the exhibition every week.
1: We should just make it. I mean, like at some point, I I was kind of joking, but kind of not. But at some point, this is... Hopefully, at least, isn't like alienating to our viewers. But at some point, we'll have like the funds available between the two of us to like start a museum museum, or back a solo show. But I'm just saying, historically, people like us who are are like, ah, this history should exist, have stepped forward and said, you know what, I'm going to fund it. And you did that with Rhizome recently. But I think like that's that's my vision personally for my future. Like, I want to make
0: no more of these. It's a good point because you have a. um This artist group, Team Lab from Japan, and they opened their own museum in Tokyo. And it's a great commercial success. People love it. And they're opening more locations now. So it's a bit like the uh, Meow Wolf model. Mm -hmm. There is this thing that you see that no matter how you change the distribution, it also changes the work. So if you see these museums that were started by artists, they tend to also then move towards more of entertaining art. So it it would be hard to do that same kind of self-initiated museum with a very boring exhibition that probably won't sell so many tickets.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, there's no Dia for digital art, you know. And so, I mean, the closest thing to it is like Rhizome's Internet Archive uh, projects, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything like, but if you want it, but there are a lot of there's a lot of work that should be installed, and that never gets shown. Yeah. Um
0: but I, I am pretty positive about. As much as digital exhibitions still feel like they're not ready for the big time or they feel clumsy, like there was a Decentraland exhibition in a Palazzo and, you know, it it does feel like they're better than a year ago. And you know how curves work and how direction work. So if, if you see like, hey, it's not there yet, but it's going in the right direction, give it five years. I am pretty hopeful of a taste that develops and uh, a quality of exhibition that develops. And uh, I I think it's that Netflix blockbuster argument. So, yeah.
1: Well, like, as yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of threads we could carry through here. But, like, you know, whether it's geospatial AR or, um, you know, holodeck or whatever, because in theory, the idea that you're tied to a screen in your living room is not the future of... Digital media. Like, well, it's it's it, the
0: same with music. When music recording started, like, oh, are these recording artists only gonna play on vinyl records that you listen to at home? It's like, no, yeah, they're, exactly. they're also tour arenas, and yeah. and then you have Coachella, and like, it's not the opera; it's a different thing, and it it's its own distribution.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: here's my argument: it it's always better with music. Like, would you rather go to a concert? And I guess that's a personal choice, but would you rather go to a festival with like a hundred different musicians playing that day, and I prefer to go to see a show with one or two no, bands. I,
1: yeah, you'd rather see one band, I think. Yeah, personally, I would. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think when you go to Coachella, it's not about the music; it's about the whole. So the network, the community, the, yeah. yeah, the party, and mm-hmm. and so that's what Venice represents. Venice is Coachella, and I prefer like seeing an intimate show in a smaller club. And,
1: what yeah. you can get in in a venue like that, though, is a sense of like where things are heading because you see a, like a broad that was the whole art fair argument in the first place even the world fair if we go back to world fairs that don't exist anymore it was because people literally didn't know what was happening in another corner of the world and so once a year was their opportunity to go and see okay what has the world been working on oh my god monorails nuclear power i didn't know this stuff was coming wow gee whiz butter sculptures <laughs> so yes yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like can you believe it it was it was like a almost like you know, the circus coming to town. Yeah. yeah. In terms of Well, like there was also, there was,
0: uh, things were so different because you had to go to a physical venue to see new inventions. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's different. Now you go to Kickstarter or something like that to see new inventions. But it, it, to your question, like, did it feel like a vibe shift? Did it feel like the art world has changed? I've always felt like a total outsider when I visit Venice, like a hundred percent. It just feels like this is not my world and I still feel like that exactly. So for and you me, like wearing
1: suits, so I feel like, like you'd you'd fit in better than me. Like,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, but so I lo- I really love visiting museums in smaller towns that are kind of empty. That that's the way I want to see art. And uh, mm-hmm. it, so, has the art world lost relevance? I, that's really up to the person who is there. I think a lot of people will be there and be like, "Oh, finally, a real exhibition." I don't think. Art should live on the screen and on the internet, so mm-hmm. those people will feel when they go to the Venice Biennial. They'll be like, "Yeah, I told you so. This is real art." And for a lot of screen-oriented artists, if you would drop them in Venice, they would feel lost and they'd be like, "Oh my god, what is this?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just think um, you know, I, I don't know. The next few years are going
1: to be interesting because it, the you know we're we're past post-internet as a period, um, and so the argument you know that all art is. Internet art has is come and gone, and so the next kind of phase is one of like the I guess it's like the various phases of legitimacy, you know, which is silly, but we've talked about a bunch on the podcast. That's it's a good in, question, yeah, yeah. Like, and the next, you know, in my opinion, the next phase is probably one where, you, you, like, in the rule of disruption is you don't see it coming until it's like, like you said, the Netflix thing, yeah. Yeah. And so I wouldn't go to Venice to find out. You yeah. Know, it's like the like opening just, of a new blockbuster in 2006. Yeah, like,
0: oh, we found a great location. It's a retirement <laughs> home. We're going to s- rent a lot of videos. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that's not where you go to figure out what's happening next. And so um, this is even happening in, in business. Well, right? Legitimacy
0: where... is, is an interesting question to me because um, as much as if we want to prove that NFTs have value beyond speculation, what is the value? Is it, it looks good in a home, it, it, it works well in an exhibition, it has cultural relevance, people are inspired to make other works. What, what are, what are the, the points where you start to say it's legitimate? So for well, a lot of people, it was it's, was it's for, like, oh, know. this painting is okay in the studio, but once it's in the museum, it really shines. And that's when it really becomes something.
1: For me, the legitimacy step was establishing that you, the digital artists could have a career that was self-sustaining, and therefore that would facilitate production or even overproduction versus scarcity. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and so to to get to overproduction, like Picasso level overproduction, you do need a certain amount of finance flowing through artists' hands. They need to pick up some gold in the rip the stream, you know. Otherwise they can't go. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, it,
0: to me yeah. it's about buying time. Like if the artist can just Runway, spend a yeah. lot of time uh dreaming and making work, that's that's the goal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that and that that will eventually facilitate new Kind of, if it's runway like new takeoffs, like. and
0: then the, the but the other side effect of the value is that it it brought an audience to digital art that was ignoring it before. So all of a sudden, people and who were immediately skeptical though, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, what
1: is that? What has been happening here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the legitimacy Ooh, thing got kind of Ooh. turned over again. Yeah. But for me, I think I, I don't. I always think you know, capital people will be like, it's just about the money, and they're missing the point, which is like. Money is more than luxury. Money is also, you know, the potential to keep
0: well, bu- making. It's also a, th- this idea of. Um, I was listening to a podcast about Web two versus Web three, and how the streaming platforms, the the amount of money a musician gets per stream is so small. Yeah, it's broken. It's it's, it's even hard to measure, and they were saying so. It was Neelai Patel from Decoder interviewing a, a venture capitalist who's into Web3. And Neelai always likes to point out all the problems. He's like, well, if you want to sell an NFT as a musician, you're still relying on Twitter to promote yourself. So it's not that different, blah, blah, And And the investor kept saying, he kept giving examples of musicians that would work with a visual artist, sell an NFT, maybe make a hundred thousand bucks. And he says, that's way more than they would make in five years off of Spotify. Yeah. And as much as there are flaws with NFT, it's like if Web two and and the gallery system they just keep holding back so much capital that the artists are starving. You can keep saying NFT is bad, NFT is bad, but the you know if you're not facilitating creativity and you're not giving the artists time to do their work, what are we doing? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think musicians are a good example because you know some of the musicians you loved probably meant like 90% of them 10 years ago are no longer practicing musicians even though they are in the top you know charts and you would Yeah and, and no examples
0: longer. of musicians from the beginning of the 20th century until let's say the 90s or 2000s they just never got their royalties and the the the, the business was so mafia like that they never saw any check you know
1: Yeah and the argument which is occurring i think now even in digital art space is that like well, those margins were necessary for, to enable distribution and advertising so that people knew about this. And so there's this kind of like catch 22, which is if more people can get involved, then there's a problem where, you know, for anyone to stand out requires money. Right. Because now I have to like advertise to be present. This happened in e-commerce, too, by the way, like, you know, when you first or in the early days of the internet, you were on the internet. You as a business, you made money because yeah, you were the only were business there. on the internet. Yeah, and you, you can build like, a
0: web page. Here's a new house. Yeah,
1: yeah. The company I work at now, like the only reason we exist is because it became like up to thirty, like more than thirty percent of company revenues in the e-commerce space were going towards Facebook, um, you know, and Instagram, uh, which is the same company. But like all of the money was going it's into protection Google money and Facebook ads, right? Just to stand out. In a, you know in the clutter and you know there's some people like um, Jason Fried at Basecamp who, who called out Google for basically yeah, 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 yeah. you know holding companies hostage you know in this like kind of racket very similar to a mafia like yeah. have you been watching this show Tokyo Vice on HBO
0: no I should yeah
1: well you know like it's you yeah you'd love it it's Tokyo in the 90s but like the mob runs, anytime there's a successful business, the mob shows up and says like, hey, like here's a small business loan. And guess what? If you're successful, we're going to want more from you and we're going to protect you. But actually, if you don't partner with us, we're going to, you know, destroy you and kill you. Right. And But essentially that is how <laughs> Google and Facebook act. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, like you, you, could, you can
0: have a hundred percent original name that would show up first on Google, but Google will actually let other people buy those search results. So, Yeah, Yeah. And
1: it's not that different from, you know, Spotify or even in the art world, like, you know, certain museums or galleries, like holding the attention because they, because in that, in that world where anyone could be successful for you to be the one that's successful, you're going to have to pay your, your tax. Well, it's,
0: there's, there's always a current system and, uh, a lot of people are invested in the current system. So if if a lot of people bought a Rothko for a lot of money, they wouldn't want the museum to say, well, oh, actually, my bad. Rothko is actually not that good of a painter. We found someone that's way better, and your paintings now are worth nothing. They don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah, they have to protect their investment.
0: Yeah, so why would they want to change art history? Or why would they want to all of a sudden say, like, hey, paintings are irrelevant, actually... Digital images have much more cultural impact because they can spread. Why would they want that to happen? So no, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: it does bring us to like the segue if we do have time for it, which is like this Twitter uh, <laughs> sale to Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. and-
0: we need a a, a segue sound that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But it it is kind of on the same you know wavelength that we've been discussing because so Elon Musk has. Basically, put forward a proposal, and I think it's going to go through to purchase. Twitter.
0: Well, this was another thing where the naysayers kept saying, He, he first he bought, he bought stock, and they're like, oh, they're never going to let him do that. Oh, actually, he did it. Oh, he wants to be on the board. They're never going to let him on the board. Oh, he's not on the board. Oh, he's going to make a bid. Oh, that's never going to come through. He can't get the money. It's like, what are you talking mm, yeah. about? He's the world's richest person. Why couldn't he get the money? It
1: wasn't just his money, too, is also. No, like I know. Banks but this. Got but him. this,
0: it, it, it was a whole let's say, four weeks of back and forth, like, is this for real? Because he's also, he likes to troll, he likes to joke.
1: Well, and then he was like on the TED Talk stage, I don't know if you watched that interview, and he was like, I'm not doing this for the money, I'm doing this because I think that um, Twitter represents this like town square for democracy and free speech. You know what from I think a Very libertarian point of view.
0: What I think it is, is Biden organized uh, some kind of thing about electric vehicles, and yeah, he, invited, he invited all the car brands except Tesla. So I think <laughs> I this is this is a very elaborate getting someone uh, getting back at Biden uh, move.
1: Well, like some people have compared it to like Bezos when he bought the Washington yeah. Post, but Bezos just went perspective. But maybe
0: it's more t- compared to Peter Thiel uh, uh, getting rid of Gawker through Hulk Hogan. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but the Bezos deal with for the Washington Post was only $200 million, and this is like a $45 billion deal, yeah. right? So it's like, it is a record-setting historic event in the history of humankind. <laughs>
0: I, I was thinking about a lot. Like, uh, I, f- I follow all the, like, every morning I listen to Pivot, this podcast, and, and uh, these tech comments, and basically tech gossip. Yeah. And it's fascinating, but at the same time, I'm like, if you had locked me up somewhere in a residency and I hadn't had access to the internet, and I came back six months later, and they're like, "Oh, there's an edit button on Twitter," I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, it's, but I
1: think everyone's looking at it through a business lens, and they're, yeah. but and then Musk keeps saying this is not a business decision. In fact, I don't even think this is a good business decision, which I think is really interesting because we're so used to that being the reason. Well, he that just people wants to jump
0: back on Twitter, I guess.
1: Well, in a way, it's also like. I don't think you're wrong in that it's not Trump back on Twitter. It's like potentially a presidential run for him in some way. Like, mm-hmm. because u- ultimately he's well, getting behind he- the um, first amendment, right? Like yeah. he's getting behind the American constitution and saying, I stand for this and he'll own a platform. Now everyone's like, no one's on Twitter, but there's still 250 million people that actively. Use it has the product.
0: a big effect on the, the cultural, on the zeitgeist and the, on the, the cultural awareness of ideas.
1: But it's just a very, it's interesting because I, I hear that most Americans don't use it, but like if you're on there, it's more active than.
0: No, but it's the news ticker yeah. for mainstream media. So they're constantly yeah. picking up. Uh, new I know. And so would you, bo- would you,
1: would bl- you bet against Bloomberg in like the nineties? Yeah. No, you probably yeah. wouldn't. And so I think like, I don't know. I think, uh, where am I going with this? I think it's, a, it's probably, looks like a stupid business move. And maybe it will remain a stupid business move, but from an ideology and like but brand how, standpoint, what it's I find very
0: move. strange in, in all the comments on Elon Musk is like how it, business is kind of a numbers game, just like sports is. So you can measure if someone is good at business or bad. Yeah. So why would you doubt the most successful business person? Like, why why would you immediately go like that's a bad idea? Don't you think he's better at business than you are? Like, it's kind of arrogant to say like I know business better than Elon Musk. Well,
1: I'm definitely not pro. Elon, because... No, no, but that's not my point. But my point
0: of people looking at it saying like, ooh, that's a bad business move, but they're not as rich as he is, and business is a numbers game, so why would you think you know better than... Like, for... For uh, when he's
1: saying it's not a business decision. For for Jeff
0: Bezos to say, or or Bill Gates to say, it's a bad business decision, I would trust them, like, like, okay, maybe they have a point. But for you, Jeremy Bailey, or Kara Swisher, or whoever, you're not that good at business. Well,
1: I think it's equivalent of like... And like, definitely, our audience is gonna like (laughs) switch their tone on me after I say this. But like, you know, when Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation set out to like cure malaria or find like treatments for malaria, I think Elon's thinking about it through the same lens. Like, this is like there's like an endemic problem in America, and we need to fix this. Well, it's like an
0: anti-cancel culture move.
1: Yeah, and like, like regardless of that. Opinion. I think the person who owns the media, and this is where it comes back to that Netflix conversation or the you know old media yeah, versus yeah. new media. The person who owns the future of media, or yeah, 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 it's the, of, of public does control opinion. Control a lot of power. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's the the, the classic uh, robber baron who buys the newspaper and changes public opinion, and then goes well, that's why into I mentioned the newspaper philanthropy, stuff, it, and then she, yeah. like washes that, and then we get back to museums because then end of the day they built the guggenheim or the the whitney museum and people are like oh what a great enlightened person he's not a robber baron
1: yeah yeah and if you were gonna go like head to head versus the one other there's two other companies that own the like media landscape we just mentioned the two other mafia leaders facebook Facebook and google Google. yeah like you know twitter seems like a pretty good bet actually it's just that it was like the thing I respect most about Twitter, to be honest with you, from a product design standpoint, is how little it's changed over mm-hmm. thirty years of like there's so much pressure for it to, ch- to yeah, change yeah. And like Reddit, you know, like Reddit is another platform that people have compared to a cesspool. But Reddit like remains the same and remains kind of like functional for yeah, a, like yeah. a very loyal following. And it's an
0: incredible knowledge resource about very detailed, obscure stuff like, like oh how to how to uh, fix a broken lamp of this type. Like you can find it on Reddit. Or, there's so m- I know there's yeah, there are a are lot positive of communities on Reddit yeah. as well as negative ones. Yeah. Same
1: thing with Twitter. Like there's a lot of positive talk on Twitter that I think for some reason, I don't know why it never makes news, but a lot of all the negative definitely does. I sound like you right now, but like, like the, I don't, I think the platform itself has inherent value that is un. For some reason, under recognized. Um, And it's not, it's not definitely not where you go to share your family photos. It's a completely different product.
0: Maybe back to NFT. Like until NFT, I was sort of on a social media diet and I was producing. And because of NFT, I'm back on Twitter and I really enjoy it. I didn't think I would. And I was like, oh, this is great. And it's actually, to me, it's more stimulating than Instagram. Instagram is sort of like a portfolio, you just put your best images there. And it's fine, but Twitter is more engaging for me.
1: I mean, yeah, it's less about, it's really interesting because it's still mostly text. And the origins of the platform were just like, were SMS. Yeah. Um, And when I post an image on Twitter, I'm still like, "Mm, this looks terrible on here. It's weird, yeah. (laughs) And so, like, and even threads, like, it's hard to... But it
0: it is funny how that argument of Nilay on that podcast, like, no matter what you do with NFTs, you still need Twitter to promote it, or Discord, but you still need Web2 to get to Web3.
1: Yeah, and I think there's like an argument that, um, I mean, they Twitter could become, and I think they have some roadmap plans to become like the Web3 social network. Like yeah, that's, yeah. That's one of the plays they to might... be
0: more of a, a, an open protocol and not so much a control. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's like that's what Elon Musk has talked about. We should open source the algorithm. Blah 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 blah. Um, well, and then Twitter like famously
0: a, like clamped down on. Uh, the, at first, they were like, "We're an open protocol, and everyone can build weird clients on top of it, and we'll just be the plumbing." And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, we won't get ad revenue if we do that." So fuck. I think go. that was
1: one of the bigger mistakes in the history of that platform, probably yeah. just for their distribution.
0: Here, here's a question, or a little bit. A speculation, Google had Gmail, which is, I think, the most popular email service, and they had Gchat, you remember that, before mm-hmm. mobile, and it, it was very popular.
1: Yeah, I used it all the time.
0: Yeah. Then mobile comes along, why didn't they just tie your Gmail address to be a chat that's also in your email inbox and everything's in one place? And you could either chat quickly or... You, you mean
1: could, instead of creating that, like, circles thing
0: well yeah they had the circles they had they have like 15 different messaging services but they had google chat and my theory is that they don't want it to succeed because of monopoly issues like they're like let's just make a ton of shitty projects so we look kind of clumsy because our dominance in search is so big we can't also dominate in chat like Mm. i think the truth is more similar
1: to the way the company is organized um and so the way google is organized is like they they're they're disorganized by design, <laughs> So, like they have different innovation kind of projects that are red that are completely separate. Like I don't agree. Separate. Like
0: they had Google Wave, which was like Slack and and Google Docs, and they dropped it. And yeah, and they have Google Docs, and they're very focused with that. Like it's it, their productivity suite. They don't have a, a yeah, but that's one part of the organization. No, like, no, I know, but they don't have like five different office suites. They just have one, and somehow in chat they. Could have mm. been bigger than WhatsApp, I think.
1: They could have. The other thing that sometimes happens is the technology is just not, like, um, wouldn't function. In, like, But that, that would be hard to believe With go- that Google couldn't figure it out technically. You're right. I don't know. They're, they're I, a weird I think they,
0: they, they really, from the very, very top, they have certain, uh, uh, what do you call it, directions in the, in, where they're like, we can't succeed in this, so let's obscure by making some clumsy projects.
1: But how do you use uh, Twitter? Like, if we go back to the Twitter thing for a second, like you post updates. Um, do you engage in conversation, or do you no, Do you do no. searches, hashtags? No, they I, didn't I just a hashtag. Stuff. Remember, I right? just post stuff. Like I thought, what was brilliant about the original product roadmap is they were the one of the first companies to say, "Hey, we're not actually going to have a product roadmap. We're going to look at how our users behave." Yeah, yeah. And, and then and, we're going and,
0: and the third party clients. They took a lot of ideas from those as well.
1: Yeah, and. I... I mean, and so for years, that's why there was no evolution, because the culture stopped evolving on, on Twitter as well. But early on, they were the first to standardize the hashtag, the first to standardize I mean, standardize this
0: idea like that feed. products have to change is ridiculous. You don't change the scissors and, like, add features to the scissors. <laughs> it's like, these are good scissors. We don't have to put Bluetooth in them. So, yeah. if Twitter is good at what it does, why the hell would you add features? Uh, yeah, you don't need stories and you don't. Well, need... I think that's one
1: of the reasons it's successful now. And I, I, I mean, if I was in this position that Elon's in, I would strip it down to the essentials and make it open source again. Like, that would be my play.
0: Well, the, yeah. And then the problem with open source is you get spam. Like, that's the problem with email. Like, you can't open source the, the Gmail junk al- algorithm.
1: Yeah, but we need a communication protocol that's open for the internet. I, and like, so that's me being pro Elon for a second. That's me being pro email. It's. I mean, that's what email is. You're right, and then yeah. spam kicked in. But, but even you can- email,
0: you could argue, it's still pretty centralized because running your own email server is really hard and if you end up on spam lists like no one gets your email and then you at the end of the day you switch to fastmail or gmail. No but the reason something. I
1: bring it up is no one's like we need to control hate speech on email, right? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is not happening. Well, it's
0: it's not a broadcasting, it's a one to one thing. So that's why know, WhatsApp doesn't come up as much in the hate speech argument where there's actually a lot of viral content on WhatsApp, but it's not so visible.
1: Yeah. I mean and then you know, if I made the argument like it's not the social media responsibility to manage hate speech, I'd be a very unpopular person. Because mm-hmm. I do think that they there is a responsibility there that's tied to the law. The same way like, you know, making an accessible website.
0: Well, there, there's that way. argument of, like you should be able to say anything you want, but the, the company should not amplify it. So they, they shouldn't uh, just amplify for engagement, which is the natural thing to do if you start amplifying the stupidest things because they get engagement, that's when they're complicit.
1: Yeah. But if we double back on everything we've been talking about, like, that's why the argument eventually comes down to the algorithm, right? Like, Yeah. It,
0: the but if it was just chronological biased. and who you follow, they would lose a lot of uh, viewership.
1: But who cares, like, if they're not looking to make money? Yeah. Right? Like, so that
0: would be the argument, like, it's private, we do whatever we want, everything's chronological feed, so there isn't even an algorithm involved. Yeah. There's no trending topics. It's just the pure feed. But then you're back to RSS, and like it's too boring for people. They don't use it.
1: But and the other problem is <clears throat> they're about to take on fifty billion dollars, or no, maybe it's not fifty, but like a whole bunch of maybe it's oh yeah, half of the forty-five I think is in debt. So like you know twenty billion dollars and or fifteen billion dollars in debt to the banks. And so um, it, when they become private again, those they have damn to pay, banks, they have to pay the debt, and so they do need
0: revenue to to pay down the debt, apparently. You
1: know, so there Well, might then be- you get
0: back to the art world. It's like, who yeah. owes uh, what to whom? And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah De- well, debt is an interesting question in the art world where... I think I'm very happy with NFTs at a smaller price point that you, you make a generative work, they're 500 bucks, and everybody has one, and you don't have this feeling of debt. It's like, hey, I collected you, now you should behave a certain way. Mm. But the classic art world definitely is like, hey, I collected you, and why are you doing this? This is not what we expected. And like, have you ever felt that pressure directly? No, I, I'm not at that price point, but I I do think... That it, it. It's not directly telling you what to do, but it's like... Someone used this term, the gentrification of the mind. And so you know, if I do a certain type of work, there's a higher chance of an institutional show. If I behave a certain way, if I... It's a, it's a system that just generates a certain tone of voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too vague, but I I think it's like a a culture of politeness, I guess. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure like out like, how politeness. much of it's
1: self imposed versus yeah. externally imposed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because like if you feel the pressure without anyone saying anything, or whether it is actually you know push people public opinion. Yeah. pushing you or the yeah, collector yeah, yeah. pushing you yeah
0: um i guess that's the same for a popular music artist who feels the pressure to write more hits in the same style
1: yeah it's the old dot painting argument yeah. that we've made on the podcast before you know keep selling those dots kind of thing yeah
0: um i guess that's not different from music which is at a lower price point and higher volume but it's like hey can you make another song like that it did really well
1: yeah, like I don't want multigrain bread. I just want white s- bread, sliced, you know, half an inch thick. Yeah, keep but, doing that. But
0: overall, if if um, if Twitter puts some questionable political candidates in the U.S. and then that results in the U.S. becoming more aggressive and let's say an international problems, would you stop driving a Tesla?
1: I mean, I've been getting so much heat for the stupid Tesla, <laughs> and that was my biggest fear. Firstly, I know I I love this topic it's a superior because I, product. I know
0: you want to be nice, so it's, it's your deepest desire. <laughs> yeah.
1: If there was an equal product, and it like people, yeah, uh, it's
0: it's funny because most tech companies traditionally, ha- whether they believe it or not, they've always said they were progressive. So you can buy a MacBook and say like, yeah, they're progressive, even though they they. Don't pay their employees enough in in China or whatever, and suicide, all that stuff. They still are like, yeah, 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 we we're good people. But Elon mm-hmm. Musk is just kind of like, oh, okay, fuck it, I'm not a good person.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, but a company is not just the CEO, you know. So, but I get it. Like,
0: yeah, I'm just curious because that, that was one of the arguments of him pandering to the right wing and. They're like most of the Tesla customers are environmentally conscious people. So it's like kind of off-brand in that sense.
1: Very, very off-brand. <clears throat> They've just managed to create like an end-to-end product that's superior, right? And it's hard to explain that unless you've...
0: Yeah, but I, I think nervous. so far it's like, okay, you know, Google is, has some problems, but you, you're not embarrassed to say, I use Google.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's probably, do you think so? Is that what you think is going to happen with Twitter next? Like, I hope
0: so, because I like seeing the cringe in you. <laughs> that's all <laughs> like I can. Like, I'll have
1: to get off of Twitter? Yeah. It's not like Zuckerberg is like a shining example of humanity either, right? So No, so I know. He's the worst. Yeah. We could be in for like just a complete to me, reset. Zuckerberg
0: is the, is the opposite of an inspiring person. I don't know <laughs> what the opposite word is, but it's like, I don't want to be that.
1: Well, where are, yeah, where are the tech leaders that are, you know inspiring we've talked about this a couple episodes ago where it's like it's it. it's in ruin like there's nothing left of like you know the the like the the Steve Jobs halo effect coming out of the yeah. at the turn of the century is now exhausted and
0: i find that the, 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 oil the art blocks people now. really nice i think that's well, a nice uh, group like
1: if i said to you like are you exp- inspired by the head of shell oil like in gas or bp or something you'd be like who the hell is that like of course not they're horrible people i think that's the level mm mm-hmm. This is my hot take. That's the level we're at with tech CEOs. But a lot sort of really
0: people like, uh, do think, like, oh, I want to be the next Steve Jobs, even though he wasn't a, p- a nice person. But they're like, oh, I want to invent the next iPhone. I don't
1: think that anyone's saying that anymore. I think that's over. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you know, So now it's an exciting time in that way, and that there's room for...
0: Well, isn't Web3... More grassroots and like everyone participates and every or the, that's kind of the mantra. Whether it turns out, I think out that's why safe. I think
1: that's why there's traction behind Web three because people are looking for new yeah. icons and and yeah. new ideologies. But like a
0: sharing of prosperity and growth.
1: But maybe that's also a good sign. That this is a stupid <laughs> so move. So does pissed. It's okay. We all live in, in yeah. worlds that are filled with noise. Kristen's here too. But like I think. That may be the argument against Elon. That Elon is out of touch, right? Because that iconoclast era, like, yeah. is over, yeah. and yeah, it's well, tense. it's it's
0: it, back to Venice. It, it's a little bit like the art world is dealing with uh, getting away from the the white male uh, star artist. Yeah, and
1: yeah, quietly, you but know, this, people have been- but it's still it feels
0: it feels like they changed the actors on the stage, but it still feels like the, the puppet masters are still the same powers that be. It, mm. Nothing changed there. So, um, yeah. At the end of that WeWork show, you know, show that we were talking about
1: last week, Massa, who's the head of SoftBank, you know, kind of makes a call to um, Adam Newman's wife. Adam Newman was the CEO of WeWork. And he's like, I asked Adam, you know, who wins in a fight, the crazy one or the smart one? And, you know, Adam Newman had originally replied the crazy one because, you, you know, no one wants to fight a crazy person. And then his wife responds like, I would have picked the smart one. And then Massa's like, ah, that makes you a much better person than Adam. And but ne- it's a trick question. Neither is right. The person who wins in a fight is the one who has all the money. <laughs> 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 and he's not wrong. Um, yeah it is still, like, the most powerful, you know, thing. And so I, th- I think Elon's trying to throw around his money as the wealthiest person right now. Um, well, If yeah, he loses I, it, you I, know.
0: I guess he wants to give the money some something to do, yeah.
1: But I think the same thing's true in the art world, and that's why we need new people with money. It comes back to our original argument, yeah. with this, which is, like, if you're against the idea of a few NFT artists making a lot of money, you might be against a changing of the guard and maybe... You know, of course, well, but but.
0: I think every decade the art was used to like little little changes. Like, oh, we're getting rid of sculpture this year; it's all about painting. (laughs) Oh, this year we're going into performance. But it was always the same uh, puppet masters. It was always the same control levers. And this is just such a shift. And so it's very easy to say, like, oh, this all looks like uh, Netflix cheap cartoons for kids, like generated. 3D images and it's very easy to just, it's such a big shift, I think. Yeah. Uh, To me, it's, it's such a big shift because it's also uh, like, it's like like going from art house film to TikTok, and you just can't use the, the old lever, uh, the old measures. You can't say like, well, how are you building the story? It's like, what are you talking about story? And like,
1: yeah. But imagine you and I lined up and we found like all the internet artists with, we got a million dollars from all of the top, you know, folks who wanted to support internet art. We had a fund that was like a billion dollars large. I think we, you know, people would pay attention. <laughs> that's like if we did a Twitter takeover of the art world, yeah. um, And I think that's going to happen. Um, not necessarily led by you and I, but <laughs> this is like a funny thing to put on the podcast. But like, I think at some point someone like that's just that's the way these things work right there'll be a a push and but it's also the the
0: the idea of taste is sort of like a shared agreement on uh, which aesthetics are okay and which are not so let's say that everyone agrees oak floors are tasteful and and, uh, like uh, let's say that like cheap vinyl floors are ugly. Like, everyone agrees on that. And so we can say good taste is, like, expensive wooden floor. Mm-hmm. Like, and everyone in the world is, like, if you buy a house and it has hardwood floors and everyone knows that house is more valuable. Yeah. But now it's, like, someone is saying, like, actually tinfoil on the floor is more valuable than hardwood. And people are like, but tinfoil is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's such That's a, a shift. Thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you also have to have the money to put in the new floor and, like, yeah hire the yeah. interior designer and stuff and, like and, But that.
0: actually, this one is, like, actually, and the floor is is uh, on the wall, and the wall is on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe
1: too many changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I've often, I think we've talked about this, too, is, like, I've often felt like I was maybe a little bit too ahead of the curve. Our audience is probably further ahead than even you or I, and so, like, but eventually the curve catches up, right? The, the like, thing
0: that I'm... A little bit old-fashioned is I, I still have a hard time accepting stills as a digital image. I think moving images are very easy to accept as a digital image because they move. You can't put them on a, any other material than a screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can project them, whatever, but they, they you can't paint a moving image. But when it comes to making stills, I'm still like... I I made a series of corners on art blocks, one drop, and I put in the description, like, oh, you can execute these as a mural. And I still feel like, oh, that the NFT would be an instruction that can be materialized in different ways. So I still, no pun intended, I still have a hard time accepting digital stills. Like Maybe I'll get there. But because for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's great. It's on my screen. That's all I need. Yeah. I don't know if you you see feel a difference between moving images and stills for as me, digital like, images.
1: Yeah, I I would go one step further, and I think unless yeah, it, time base if the time base for me the time base it's important that it's more than one can experience in a single at a single point in time. So I do like I obviously the loop or the GIF is what people often refer to, but some of my favorite internet artworks take place over, you know many weeks or even months or or persist for years um, and change over that time scale but i do think time based media which is kind of the way some people used to talk about when i first started in in digital art is is a good way to think about it like it's if it's fixed in time it's hard to consider it digital for me but,
0: uh, yeah. yeah but it, it, to me there's a couple of interesting things but one of the things that i find interesting is that the moving images just make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And the still images somehow have this feeling that I love that you're like you're not sure. You're like, is this enough? That you know, your teacher had that thing. It's like, why go beyond the sketch? And you're like, yeah. And you're like this is ridiculous, but it's kind of good. And I I love that feeling where you're like, I can't explain it, but I think it's done. And you know what I mean? No, of course. Yeah. I, but I, and I, so I, yeah. it's it's very easy for us to be, Envision a multimedia work that is like an installation with projections and sound, and there's a political story, and it all makes sense. And then someone is just like, "Oh yeah, I made this uh, image of a chair as, a, as an NFT, and it's just a chair." And you're like, "But that's not a work."
1: I think it's probably because, I mean, in a simplistic way, you could have just printed it, you know, put it. Yeah,
0: but you didn't, and so th- there's something. Ex- because people often criticize like, well, there's good NFT art and then there's just JPEGs. And then my my provocative sort of side is like, well, maybe those JPEGs are actually more true to the medium. And we're like still trying to be grounded in media art theory and make everything make sense. And maybe those spontaneous JPEGs are more realistic about the time we live in and more true to the time.
1: Yeah, I'm open to it. I think one of the interesting... Uh, like areas there is like AR hasn't really doesn't seem to have to, like it's taken off as a NFT and sound and I, art, yeah, and or or sound art. And I thought both would. I mean, sound art's temporal, and but
0: I mean, with AirPods, sound art makes so much sense that you walk through a space and you you make an app that responds yeah. to geolocation and things happen and yeah. Ah, excuse me. Oh, I, there's your. Sound I warned art. you at the
1: beginning. That, there we go. There's the sound art. Yeah, but I think we t- like this is maybe a, we should push out this out to the next episode. But like um, the overwhelming like amount of sale sales in the NFT art world are basically like virtual sticker packs, right? Like they some of them, yeah, you know, are even like will feign packaging. Yeah, yeah but like like, you're ripping like, over a package of of trading cards.
0: But it's it's interesting if you think of um, the one strength that I talked about of art, of this contemplative nature, is also that. It can freeze things in history. Is it? It's something painting does well, mm-hmm. but then these sticker packs. We might look back on them and be like, "That really captured 2022, the ridiculousness of 2022 or 2021, and all those installations at the Venice Biennial didn't reflect the time they were made in. Like they could have been made in the 70s, they could have been made in the 50s, but those mm. sticker packs were so 2021. And well,
1: someone is going to pick out like the best stickers and put them you know, in an archive. and
0: Yeah, but so traditionally we feel like if you want to immortalize something, you paint it and it's it's canvas on oil and and maybe now we're at a tipping point where we're like, actually, those JPEGs are so much more visible and they're stored uh, in a decentralized manner. They're, they're there forever. It has more permanence than oil on canvas because the oil on canvas works are shown once every 10 years when they're taken out of the vault and they're just kind of invisible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who cares if we make money? But I did say that it was all about money.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 but that's the shift. Like, uh, if, yeah. if, if the JPEGs are making more money than the oil on canvas, like, uh, what, what is that thing that we, we talk about when we give a cultural moment permanence?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Is it like, money or is it the material it, of oil and no, canvas? No, belief. Uh, it, yeah, it's and so like...
0: if, if you think of the impact of record covers, which are basically images that spread... And then you think of I don't know, that did, did yeah, does Francis Bacon have an impact on culture? I don't know. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. I mean culture is just a reflection of human activity.
0: Yeah. I, I just like walking through the Venice Biennial, I didn't see anything there where I thought like, oh, this is really changing people's minds or it's it's there was a lot of good art that you're like, Oh yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, I just you know, the the to just to put a pin in this is like it will it is up, it is the carnegie hall kind of situation where to get access there's so many levels of inaccess that you're seeing kind of the politics on display quite often right so um i don't see that changing anytime soon um and i was interested to hear like it sounds like it's more inclusive at least by design like so the yeah but the puppet masters power it, have said it, it the, the people who in.
0: control the levers i'm sure they're all just the old white dudes like uh, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, no, I know. The actors on the stage change because, like, you yeah. have to have
1: a billion dollars to have a seat at the table. And um, yeah, whoever you know, we could probably do an episode where we just run down all the per- the profiles of uh, the billionaires club. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, uh, there's yeah, that yeah. artist
1: at Postmasters. Um, what's his name? He does. Uh, ugh, why am I blanking on his name? But he does all of the like flow charts, you know, kind of showing off how power is constructed in the art world and stuff. Um, and I'm I think sure. those, you know, regardless, like those flow charts do, ex- they're public record. And the Hans Hacker
0: like, type of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, um, you know, you, you do a little investigation and you can map out how things work.
0: Um, and then
1: the, how the decisions get made, you know,
0: it's uh, yeah, I love that movie Mulholland Drive, where you just have this weird obscure decision makers who decide on the movie, and like why are they deciding, yeah,
1: yeah, but I think like it wouldn't surprise you if the decisions that were made were made to protect investments, right like it, there's always gonna be an incentive yeah. to make rid right. yeah. yeah, all right all right guys thank you for Um, listening yeah welcome back i guess like yeah Yeah. we still will take questions um (laughs) we're desperate (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot to talk about this week well here's here's the
0: deal with our audience if you guys don't give us questions we'll just record whatever we feel like it if you ask us lots of questions we'll be more motivated so there's
1: like chicken and egg problem here we're pushing away yeah actually the stats aren't bad so people are listening weirdly um but,, uh, thank you for listening. I guess is what I should be saying. Yeah. It's, same, it's very odd,, uh, Raph. like
0: I don't know why, but uh, some people are listening. and yeah, um, I always envision people folding their laundry when they're listening to us.
1: Yeah, by now that they've done a couple loads, yeah, uh, they're already playing Wordle. yeah, um,
0: <laughs> but or maybe uh, they're like stirring up. A- Pasta sauce or something like that. Yeah. Do
1: we have, actually, do we have a field recording? Because we did have a bunch of field recordings that were I sent us. I think we in. do.
0: I didn't go through them, but we'll just, should so I just we're gonna glue like one?
1: Make, there's a little roulette Yeah, opportunity here. We don't know what <laughs> we're going to play. because You're going
0: to hear my mouse clicks. but. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, he's
1: pulling it up. Um, it's a real-time decision right here. This is like transparent decision. Well, let's
0: there. do Christina's, uh, my wife's, field recording of our dog soda biting into stuff.
1: Oh, okay. That's a classic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So to
1: make some appearance as a co-star. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.